0: Hey guys, uh, we are the Scooby Dudes. Yeah, we are guys. Hey everybody, hey all you fellows. Hey males, males in the room, we're the Scooby Dudes. See, Ladies, yep, no sorry, what, what? We'll save the message no, for on, the go ladies, on. go ahead. No, no, we'll, I'll, I'll address the ladies in a second. What were you gonna say?
1: I, I was just gonna say that I feel like a theme song really lays down who this podcast is for. Yeah, so this one. that's why we had to proceed it, to say this one's just for the guys. <laughs>
0: Gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Luke and Evan here, the scooby Dudes, ready to lay down some
1: sick takes on Shaggy and Scooby-Doo get a clue. Yeah, this this episode, uh, like you said, said, Scooby and Shaggy do get a clue. Scooby and Shaggy do get a clue, yes.
0: That's the one thing. You got me, Evan. I did one thing in this intro I now wish I could take back that wasn't committed to uh, the record. Uh, but we are—no, wait, hang on. Who—who are we again? We're the scooby Dudes. Who's that? Uh, Luke and Evan, not misogynists. (laughs) No, but I mean, you can—you can talk to just men and not be a misogynist. Sometimes I talk to just a man, sometimes I talk to just a woman, sometimes I talk to both at the same time. And I'm not a misogynist at any of those times. (laughs) We just talk about Scooby-Doo. It's a podcast. We just talk about Scooby-Doo. That's all we're really here for. Um, I'm sorry. I was trying to do a bit. We, uh, we're we two best friends. We talk about our favorite meddling kids and Scooby-Doo. I'm Luke. Again, that's Evan. And uh, what's the title of this episode? <laughs> this is Party Artie, an episode of Scooby and Shaggy-Doo Get a Clue, our favorite, uh, our, maybe not our favorite Scooby-Doo series, but an interesting one.
1: Dude, I was so excited to tackle Party Artie because, look, I've been such a huge fan. Let's... Well, <laughs>
0: Is this a song? Is Party Artie really a, so- a song outside of this?
1: Arthur Sheridan. <laughs> born July 9th, 1977. Died December 4th, 2008. <laughs> Better known by his stage name. Party Artie. Is this, I didn't, we didn't talk about this ahead of time, but I guess this episode is dedicated to him. Oh, man. I I realized there's some stuff in there. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have played.
0: (laughs) I couldn't hear it, so I guess we'll see if it picks up. But this episode is done in memoriam of Arthur Sheridan, uh, author of Party Artie, which I guess this episode is based
1: on. R.I.P. R.I.P. Arthur Sheridan. That song that I was playing, and this might be... Rest in Party. This might be the first time ever, I think, that we've, like, actually lightly embedded a track into, like, the podcast proper. That was, uh... I'll have to
0: check and make sure that was less than eight seconds, I think, or whatever. Or is that just the rules of playing Encore? I'll have to
1: check on that, too. So, that song was, um, by The Ghetto Dwellers. Uh, and it was a single called God Made Dirt. God Made Dirt. Wait, where's Party Artie in all of this? Uh, so, Party Artie, um was in the Ghetto Dwellers he, with... Oh, Arthur Sheridan, uh, stage name, Party Artie. He, he is Party Artie. So he was with, in the Ghetto Dwellers with D-Flow. Oh, D-Flow, And yeah. they were signed with Get Turty, Dirty Productions.
0: Wait, say the productions one more time. I missed it. Get Dirty. One more time, sorry.
1: Uh, get
0: Dirty. <laughs> one, one more time. <laughs> So sorry, I can't hear you. Can you wet your lips more? I think that's the issue. Get dirty. Yo, it's your boy, scooby Dudes. Get dirty. We're getting in for another episode. Scooby and Shaggy-Doo get a clue. I don't like this uh, intro. (laughs) I don't either. I wish we could redo it. I wish we could, but we've only got the studio for the exact amount of time this episode is going to run two dudes talking about scooby-doo two dudes just like you unless you're a lady Mm, this show is for ladies too if you're lgbtq
1: we are your
0: scooby-doos
1: shaggy and scooby-doo get a clue
0: is what our least favorite series (laughs) I think we ranked him at a certain point, and this was our, we said this was our least favorite series, and then we remembered the YouTube series we watched, Oh yeah. and that one really, it really elevated this one in retrospect. Uh, but this,
1: I'd say this is our least favorite official Scooby-Doo series. I've been told by one of our peers on Twitter, and I think it was Billy of Scooby-Doo's and Scooby-Don'ts, that the half hour that Scooby-Doo used to share with Richie Rich, or the hour, like the Scooby-Doo Richie Rich hour or whatever is the worst one. But we've not yet covered that.
0: Wait, hang on. In his opinion, or it's been scientifically proven it's the worst one and you Uh, and I are behind on the times? In his opinion. In his opinion, gotcha. I don't know. We haven't done too much of that one. We'll have to return to it again because it's not super fresh in my mind. I I don't think we've done it at all. Ah, shoot. We really have to dip into that then to see how bad it is. But to me, the original episodes, even when they're terrible, even when there's so many flaws with them, there's this kind of rough-spun charm to them that uh, really makes them, helps them earn their place at the table, whereas this stuff is more recent, and so I'm perhaps holding it to a higher standard. For
1: me, there's certainly no nostalgic cachet. It, no, I don't think anybody looks back fondly on Shaggy and no. Scooby-Doo get a clue. Absolutely not. Well, what really sets this series apart from, from the others in the canon uh, is that it really just stars the two characters in the title. It's just Shaggy and scooby
0: and even though they exist in a world where we, we've established in the first episode they're friends with Fred, Daphne, and Velma, but they don't spend any time together. And also, like, they're ludicrously wealthy. There's there's kind of a cross between the Million Dollar Check or that, that kid's movie where the kid gets a ton of money, that kind of setup, and uh, the man who knew too little, secret agents who are in way over their heads. They don't even realize they're secret agents, but they bumble their way to victory nonetheless. Um, those I'd say those are the two tropes that are, play out consistently
1: here. So here's, here's what got me really excited about this episode. Um, mm. Scooby and Shaggy have been rich for such a long time. In the first episode, they mentioned this to Fred, Daphne, and Velma. Um, now they're finally going to, and I quote, uh, share the wealth. That's what Shaggy says to Scooby. It's time to share the wealth. They're going to throw a huge party. That's the first line of the episode is it's time to share the wealth and...
0: I think there's something we need to, I'm gonna, I'd like for us to address the elephant in the room at the start, since we brought up Fred, Daphne, and Velma a few times. What were your expectations when you found out they
1: were gonna throw a party?
0: Well, I know from reading the Wikia that they're gonna show up at some other point in the series. I thought, well, duh, Scooby and Shaggy have finally got a moment to take a break from their adventures overseas, because this is mostly a globetrotting series, and they're gonna throw a party to appreciate their friends back home, and they say they're gonna throw out thousands, or at least a thousand invites. So I'm gonna see
1: Fred, Daphne, and Velma. Is what I'm thinking. At at one point later on in this episode, Shaggy tells uh, a government employee that he's the, he needs he's throwing a party for like I think like a thousand of my closest friends, yeah, or something
0: along those lines. And nowhere in this episode do we have a reference to FDV, um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, or Fred, Daphne, Velma. Uh, nor do we see them in all the people that rush in, which says to me that they didn't get invited, which is terrible enough on its own. And if you, even if you argued that they were invited and we didn't see them, they were like three among
1: thousands. Well, here's a question. Would you prefer—do you prefer this, where they're not mentioned and not seen? Or would you prefer that they were seen as background characters and had no speaking lines? I would prefer that they're mentioned as getting an invite— and
0: then one line in the middle of it, they can't even find Fred, Daphne, and Velma because there are so many people oh, here. Wow. That would actually fix it. But, it, I mean, it, Fred, Daphne, and Velma, I think, are the biggest problem with this series. And that's saying something because Shaggy's voice is a thing as well. Uh, mm. And it's terrible, it's grating, I really don't like it. I, I think it's a very bad decision that was made there. I say it now so I don't have to say it again. But Fred, Daphne, and Velma feels like an emotional betrayal, especially because they show up in the first episode and, th- and then they're completely
1: sidelined. They're already sidelined when we see them in the first episode. I actually think, now that you're mentioning that, which I think that's, I said that that's like a perfect fix, I honestly feel like there could be a fun, like if you mention them every now and then but made a gag out of it, like yeah, like make a bit out of it, and you could earn it. Maybe they're living their best lives. You know, maybe they're they're doing stuff on the side, or or maybe they just they're always busy. So it sounds like everyone, like you said, they're all living their best lives. You know what? Honestly, not a lot even happens in this episode. Not,
0: you know, I was t- I kept trying to be like, let me write out the plot. I'll see if I can fit it on one post it note. And then I got the end. and I'm like, man, I got so much post it note left to fill. Look at all that off
1: white yellow. Oh man. I mean, yeah, there's I, there, really not that much. There are details that I would like to highlight that I thought were fun. I, again, so the, the premise of this episode is that they're throwing a large party. Unfortunately, as far as we know or can tell, Fred, Daphne, and Velma were neither invited nor did they show up.
0: And it's like, it, so for us, that's an alarm bell that's going off throughout this episode that something is deeply wrong. But that's not actually built into the episode at all. Really, the central conflict is between Shaggy, Scooby, and their neighbor who is the president of the Homeowners Association, and uh, their desire to throw this party, and of course the villain Dr. Fibes, who's of course going to make an appearance in this episode
1: as well. I like uh, when people go into sort of like these elaborate, like when they're like lavish details, when when rich people in like cartoons um, are like showing off their wealth. So in this case, um, Shaggy and Scooby have like a barbecue, and it's like, a turbo-powered Steak Scorcher 3000 yeah, that has, it's like, like... It's conspicuous consumption beyond reason, because nobody wants their steaks that way. They're, like, jet turbines underneath it. And he comments later that it's, like, 1.3 million BTU. Oh, yeah. And the sound system, too, is, like, I think he says, concert-quality sound system. And it's uh,
0: the kind of thing that could knock birds out of the
1: air. Do you remember when we were in high school, we saw the... dug out <laughs> the outfielders no it was a baseball movie uh. with like rob schneider john Heder, and uh a third guy uh give me a second because i do remember this um and like john Lo- john lovitz is the one who like funds their team like sponsors their team their baseball team i can't believe you're bringing this up Uh, The Benchwarmers. The
0: Benchwarmers.
1: Oh, dude, I can't
0: believe it. It was David Spade. I forgot. David Spade. He was was the main guy. I mentioned everybody but the main guy. Well, no, he wasn't the main guy. It was really Rob Schneider's movie. Was it Rob Schneider? But then, like, David Spade and John Hedder both had side roles, I think. But I remember that movie because I remember watching it on my own and thinking, this movie is hilarious, and then showing it to all three of my best friends including you and you got and there was nary a laugh throughout i, think we, I, th- I remember kind of enjoying it i remember you got to the end and you were like i kind of enjoyed them like you didn't
1: freaking show it <laughs> <laughs> you left me high and dry man uh john lovitz they go to his house and he has a robot oh, yeah. that can make any sandwich that you could possibly think of and john Heder's character asks for a sandwich and it's like skittles and pudding skin and the robot like produces it out of its like chassis um, that's the kind of thing I like in when it comes to, like, rich people and comedies. I like those, like, ludicrous, off-the-wall, like, could would-never-happen-inventions. Like, I dig that. I,
0: yeah, and it's kind of, like, uh, almost like a bit of richy-rich rich wish fulfillment on screen, but there's, there's so much potential for comedy in it. I'm going to make another film comparison that's going to take us a little further off track, but I know it'll land with you. Seventeen, again, has a similar character in Thomas Lennon. Uh, the best friend of what's, the... What's
1: Seventeen again?
0: Oh, you son of a gun. I can't believe you're doing this to me. That's
1: a movie you told me
0: was great. And when I watched it, it great. I, I laughed when I watched it, even though I watched it with my girlfriend and she didn't find it funny. Wait, which
1: girlfriend? I don't remember. Actually, you know, I do. You should. <laughs> this was... Uh-huh. Yeah. I just think that Matthew Perry does such a good job of pretending to be... Um, of being a younger... Sorry, not Matthew Perry. Zac Efron does such a good job of pretending to be Matt Perry in Zac Efron's body. Yeah.
0: I, th- I just think Thomas Lennon is a great best friend, rich character who we see his conspicuous consumption and it's really nerdy, but it is, it's is—it's kind of fun. Um, I also really like... I <laughs> didn't really like Jim Gaffigan as the basketball coach in that film with no lines like not a single comedy beat was lent he, he to him. He doesn't
1: play a comedic
0: character. They
1: just wanted to throw his name on the box. That is it. I mean, I thought he played his role well. Get in there, get on the bench. He's a, like I think he's a very c- convincing high school basketball coach.
0: Oh, uh, he just could have been so funny. Like it's such a wasted opportunity. This is how gripping <laughs> Scooby and Shaggy do get a clue is that we are pivoting hard
1: to two other movies. And we're like, right, let's talk about another movie. Well, let me, let me make but, another comparison that will help mm. bring us back. <laughs> so Scooby and Shaggy, we, you've mentioned Richie Rich. They kind of live this Richie Rich slash James Bond lifestyle where when they're at home, it's a huge mansion. They have money. They're just throwing it around. When they're out, they're doing spy stuff. At home, they have a butler named Roby. A robot butler, obviously. A little bit of a Jetsons take, I might think. Yeah, kind of like a more masculine, but far, 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 far less... Um, competent. Competent Rosie. Mm. And and I liken Roby to a great, great literary character, uh, Amelia Bedelia.
0: Ah. Uh, you know what my note on Roby was? Let me flip to it. Roby, Roby is Amelia Bedelia... Parentheses, has Evan already said this? <laughs> and I think you have. I in think the past. you might have said that about... But, like, it is a gag they return to constantly for Roby, and nothing but Roby's ebullient voice acting sells these pretty
1: middle-of-the-road puns. I liked Roby when we first saw him, and I think the second time we saw him. I did not like Roby very much in this episode, because, as I said in the pilot for Shaggy and Scooby-Doo Get a Clue... I don't like property damage. Oh, and Roby's all about the property damage here. It's true. Uh, Roby, get get the door. Uh, the door is its property damage and security. Two in one fell swoop. I just... Honestly, in this episode, I was actually worried Scooby and Shaggy were going to run out of money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was never a concern. I thought that might get voiced at some point. Their Their concerns are so off the wall. And if I can take us through a couple plot points to say why... Uh, Scooby and Shaggy are throwing this party. They're, like, again, the flamethrower grill, the super sound system. It's all bugging their neighbor, who is like palm tree catches on fire, and the sound system, like, blasts out his windows. And the dump truck that's going to dump the dirt for their bike rally dumps in his pool instead. So he marches over, and he's about to give Scooby and Shaggy what for. um, And they're clueless, so he writes them a ton of violations,
1: which they deserve. Yeah, his, his name is Thurston Havensimp. And that's a last name that Shaggy can have some fun with, because Shaggy, canonically bad at at names. As I as he kept hitting this, and they really kept hitting this,
0: I thought, this is a trope. This is now something that we need to elevate to trope level. Shaggy
1: mispronouncing, getting someone's name wrong. In the first ever episode of Scooby-Doo, he makes fun of a la- guy whose last name is Mr. Is White. Exactly. They <laughs> seeded it in there. This is so and central like to Shaggy. his character. <laughs> Not what? only is this like a normal English word. This is a normal
0: name. <laughs> it's one step away from Mr. Name. It's it's uh, almost it's almost impossible. Well, and again, Mr. Name, he could have a field day with that. Uh, did you catch some of the the Mr. Havensimp play names? I think one was half a shrimp. Half a shrimp was my favorite. Which is a little bit of a pun, as Mr. Havensimp is quite diminutive. He is quite diminutive, which, as we find out later, is is something he cares about. I also caught Mr. Hanky Cramp. Mr. Hamperstink. Hamperstink was definitely the most mean spirited of the bunch, I think. It was. It had stink in there. It was really not nice. But but then there was also Hazel Skunk, which is no nicer, and uh, and Harry Slacks, which isn't too bad. We might say Shaggy kind of inconsiderate. Scooby also throws in a Mr. Handkerchief at one point, just to jump on that bandwagon. Felt left out. Uh, yeah, so, but they also call him Mr. H at times, like to try and ameliorate things
1: very effective because they needed to get on his good side. As you mentioned, he wrote them up a bunch of citations. It is because he's the acting president of the housing association, which is not uncommon for better off neighborhoods.
0: No. Yeah, definitely not. Even not so well off neighborhoods have somebody who needs to trip on the power and make sure everyone's mow- mow- lawns are mowed and mows are lawns sufficiently. What
1: my favorite gag in this entire episode, is when he says he's a the president, they think he's the IRL president of the United States. I,
0: was, I thought of that gag, I ran through it in my head and I'm like, I don't need to mention that, I didn't care and for it. You didn't like <laughs> you it? You that I gag? I loved it!
1: I loved it because they're just like, <laughs> oh, like, Scoob is the president. Much better. Shaggy <laughs> does not sound like that in this show. D-
0: the thing is no matter what you do, even if you try and imitate the Shaggy in this episode, you will sound better than the Shaggy in this series.
1: I just love it that they both put their hands on their hearts and they both hum in unison like hmm 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 i am so glad you did that, because all I could do, I, w- I started
0: going hmm <laughs> <laughs> hmm Like, oh no, that's not right. But Mr. Haversimp is having none of it. Or haven't Mr. No. Haven? Mr. Haven simp, simp is having none of it, uh, because he says even on top of all these other violations, there's one he's sure they won't be able to fix, and that's violation 613.
1: six thirteen. Oh, we we were close.
0: <laughs> six. Uh, I'll edit it nice. And that's a violation essentially for having Roby, who in, in the in the beginning parts of this episode, as Scooby and Shaggy are screwing stuff up, Roby's also causing chaos and endangering Mr. H's life. So it's also pretty fair. Uh, Citation 613 is a device that presents a clear and present danger to the community. Whoa. for a second there, I thought you were giving us ancillary information about the number 613, and I was about to blow the frick up at you <laughs> for stealing my deep dive. Because <laughs> I... Wait, 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 wait. What's your deep dive? My deep dive is on the number 613. Oh, Why 613? Oh, you're the worst person Because they reference it again and again in this episode. They call Ruby, we got to worry about our 613 over here. Um. So 613 The first result I pulled from Google Evan I assume that's a sigh of deep interest <laughs> The first result I pulled from Google said 613 is the natural number Following 612 and preceding 614 Contents, brackets open, hide, brackets oh closed Oh my gosh dude Can you- Interesting fact, it is one of the Only three numbers In the 600s that has its own Wikipedia page What? True story. Very, very true. Say, wait, there are only three numbers in the 600s? Only three, between 600 and 699 that have their own Wikipedia page. I'll mention very briefly, the other two are the number of the beast. Of course, that's 666. Is the
1: other one 626?
0: The other one is 616. 616 for Marvel. you know is another possible, what might have been the original, number of the beast. This is the only other one that has its own Wikipedia page, because it has a lot of importance uh, in Judaism. Uh, in the Jewish Kabbalah, which I'm so sorry for how I pronounce that, and the Jewish
1: Kabbalah. You could just say Kab- Kabbalah is Kabbalah. like not. It's like in the in the le- American like, English lexicon, in the public lexicon. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh, Doty, pull it back. Pull it back. <laughs> this
0: <is, laughs> Evan's not gonna let you do deep dives anymore. Let me see. I also. Wait, wait. Up... What's its significance?
1: In, what is its significance in Kabbalah, though? And
0: all Wikipedia tells us is that it's a very significant. Um, number in Kabbalah. But they
1: don't tell us how.
0: These sneaky Wikipedia editors (laughs) are being miserly and keeping all this knowledge to themselves. (laughs) I can't believe I went there for the laugh. I needed something. (laughs) Um, Hang on, a couple other things. The Beatles mention love in their lyrics 613 times. What? The number 613 hangs from the rafters at Madison Square Garden in honor of the legendary New York Knicks coach, Ron Holzman's 613 victories. Oh, And in scandal, the secret agency is known as B613. Oh, and hang on. The pomegranate is said in Judaism to have 613 seeds. That was so boring, I didn't notice it. Man. The big takeaway here, people is that Roby is a 613, Roby is going to get, Scooby and Shaggy, they imply, kicked out of the house. And this is important because Scooby's, the secret formula to give Scooby, Scooby snacks that uh, turn him into magic stuff is contained within a lab in the basement of this mansion. We didn't mention that, but that's a thing.
1: And and I will say that Shaggy actually puts, Shaggy is actually very, um, you sort of liken him to what, like the man with one red shoe, you said something like that earlier? Uh, well, that's the Tom Hanks movie, I think, that fits the same bill that I haven't seen, but The Man Who Knew Too Little. With man the Man Who Knew Too Little, right. With Bill Murray is my point of reference. In in spite of being kind of like going through life, maybe not noticing a lot of the big hints that's, that things are amiss, Shaggy actually puts two and two together, I would say, multiple times in this episode. Hmm. He says, it occurs to him that it's not so much just that they'll lose the mansion, but that they'll lose the lab and they need the lab. You know it, he he could on the surface. It's bad because it's like oh, we'll lose the house We'll lose the money. We'll lose like the food and, and blah 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 blah, mm. but he I, I think that he's sort of Applying himself a little bit more mentally in this yeah. episode.
0: I don't know I think the two are a little bit more in conflict than intention uh, because he's oh I guess wait one thing we haven't mentioned his uncle Albert uh, he inherited all this money from Albert the brilliant scientist And uh, they're also being chased by Dr. Fibes, who wants the magic formula to these magic Scooby Snacks. Um, So Dr. Fibes is continually coming after them, and they, in turn, want to find uh, his Uncle Albert, who they know is still alive. We get references throughout the series.
1: Let me make another reference, (laughs) because they're they're already trying to stay on the good side of Mr. H, Um, and then Roby informs them that, like, the house has just been, like, storing solar energy for, like, weeks or months and needs to... Uh, unleash it in the in a blast, for some reason.
0: I don't think it needs to. I think he Amelia Bedelia is it. They're like this. is party's gonna be so hot, and Roby's like, let me give you cancer, <laughs> <laughs> and, and like fries their it, neighbor. It
1: unleashes all the solar energy, like um like Vin Diesel and the Chronicles of Riddick when he's on that one planet t- <laughs> where there's like no atmosphere or something. So the sun just like incinerates everything in its path. I haven't seen Chronicles of Riddick. I'm sorry. Come on, have you at least seen Pitch Black? The movie that preceded it? They're the same series. I have not seen Pitch Black. Have you seen, by the way, have you seen Memento? Any of those (laughs) copies
0: I've got lying around? (laughs) I see you. I see you've got a DVD partway into your DVD player. Like it's all there. One little push. Almost if a butterfly landed on the side of it, it could just slide in. Is that a memento reference? It's not. (laughs) That kinda hurts. That. (laughs) Um so Roby again torches the next door neighbor, so the next door neighbor is really ratcheted up. If I can say a couple of things about the stakes as we have them in this episode, Scooby and Shaggy aren't going to be familiar with Dr. Fives' plan coming after them until late in the episode. For most of the episode, you'd think their worry would be this thing of like, oh, we're going to get kicked out if anyone finds Roby. But it seems like they then transition to a concern of Roby's not going to be able to butler for our party. Because after they they quickly solve the issue of all the, uh, all the citations, they get allowances for all that stuff because they're rich, apparently, they've
1: yeah. either way into it. Yeah, Shaggy realizes that as a rich person, as as a one percenter, um, you can literally just throw money at problems until they disappear. He calls he calls an office, uh, like I, I don't know, like a municipal branch of the government. I have no idea, and says he needs all these permits, and then he, he asks them how much it'll be, and then he says, "I'll give you double." And then that's when I was worried they were gonna run out of money. <laughs>
0: He said, I'll give you double, and you don't need to come out here and check or anything? Cool. And he hangs up, and right when you and I were both thinking, this is now a financial issue, all these citations just pop out of fax machines hidden all over the living room, and they're like, oh, sweet, we got, or no, all these allowances, so they got permission to do all this stuff. And they kind of then elide the issue of, Roby's gonna get us kicked out, because later they just say, they put Roby in the basement. Roby's not having any contact with any neighbors, so it's fine. Their issue is, we need another butler.
1: He, Amelia Bedelia's himself. He lies low mm. by lying on the ground, and also he cool. stays cool by covering his, himself in ice, and also stays out of sight by covering himself with in ice.
0: He's doing all three at once. Um, but so yeah, then Roby's pretty much taken care of, and now Scooby and Shaggy are like, "We need. Where are we gonna find another robot butler to host our party?" That, it's like, dudes, just get a butler. Yeah,
1: you have. Look, you literally threw what. I was assuming, was hundreds of thousands of dollars at getting... Because, look, it's a lot of permits. And, and like, double the amount and enough to bribe government workers. And they got them in seconds. So, I'm assuming he... Re- so, like, if you can pay that much money to get these permits, literally hire... Human beings. Not even one person. Several human beings. An entire catering service. But, no,
0: they need... For some reason... And that's a little bit of the... It's a little bit of an idiot plot here that we've got. It's not super well-baked in that regard. But it gives us an in... For Dr. Fibes to send an evil robot Scooby and Shaggy's way as a butler, and then we can have more of these The Man Who Knew Two little-type gags.
1: Dr. Fibes has had Scooby and Shaggy under surveillance. It's it's Agent 2. Agent 1 is nowhere to be seen. Kind of a... I really missed him. It seems weird to have one and not the other.
0: I feel like, again, we needed a reference to what Agent 1 is doing. This show almost like assumes we're not getting invested in our characters it doesn't give us
1: a chance to i think that absences are fine and acceptable but if you can use them for jokes you can and you should you know like just explain why people are missing just do it go for it
0: lampshade it um but in this episode all we've got is agent two who is maybe a bit well they're both so strong they really
1: are the bogolin weird of this series and, and I think they work best when they're together, mm. when they're able to play off of one another. Yeah,
0: because I think Agent 2 in this, in this whole episode, I'm realizing now, is really searching for a scene partner.
1: Hmm. I mean, you do more improv than I do, which is to say that I don't do improv at all. <laughs>
0: yeah. And I barely do it. But I'd say I have also in my notes, Agent 2 is the protagonist because he's the most interesting to me when we really get into this episode. He, I feel like, has a bit of an arc in this search for kinship but uh but agent two alerts dr fives dr fives dr fives we got look they need a robot maybe we can do something we can send somebody down there and i i really like the gag of him busting in on dr fives
1: That i was actually i thought very funny because uh, dr fives is oh this would be a chance for you to do the to try line do reading my voice here
0: let me pull it up mm-hmm I was practicing it. I always worry about my neighbors hearing me trying. Like, what do you mean? Get out! <laughs> they're like, holy crap! Our neighbor is crazy. We need to move. Um,
1: they're gonna call uh, the president of the neighbor, the homeowners, the homeowners association.
0: association. All right, Doctor Vibes, let me just find him as a point of reference, real quick, real quick. I'm well aware that it's still in the testing phase. <laughs> But he can also go a little more open. He can sound a little more human.
1: I, I really like... He's talking uh, about like his hot, hot mocha latte.
0: <laughs> <There's>, oh, <laughs> hang on. Let me find that exact line reading. I'm sorry. That's, you're so that, right.
1: I really like that. I, I thought do, that was really great, I do want to find that.
0: Because that, the timing of Agent 2 busting in was the part that really sold it. Agent 2, looking at all the security cameras, a lot of them, by the way, and playing a handheld video game, the kind where there's only one game built into the hands... There is one thing in life I savor more than revenge. Do you know what that is? A hot, 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 hot mocha latte. <laughs> Agent two slams the door open, knocking the mocha latte right into like just this splash into the face. So good. For a show that really struggles with comedic timing, that was a really well well-paced moment. To
1: me to me it's perfect in that like he says hot. Enough times for it to be funny, and enough times for you to really believe that it's very hot. It's hot, hot, hot,
0: hot mocha latte. And, like, right at the end of latte, right when he's at it, Agent 2 slams it open. And it's that kind of thing where there's only, like, two frames between the latte just sitting there and it being just a blur of hot liquid melting his face.
1: Agent 2 overhears that they have a party. He's very excited. He wants to go. But more importantly, they are on the lookout for a new robot butler. That's where the art of Party Artie comes into play. Apparently, Dr. Fibes has a robot on hand uh, named, it's the Automated Robotic Tactical Unit, which stands that's R2. R2. Yeah, I really wanted them to do something with that. Again,
0: at least lampshade it. At least throw a line on it. Um, But, uh, and this was made by his top scientist, Dr. Trebla, who uh, says that it's still in development. Still some kinks to work out.
1: Uh, it's, I mean, it looks like a cartoon robot. It, it has a very, like, spherical, I've already used the word chassis once in this episode. Let me use it again.
0: <laughs> but it is very spherical. It's basically like a a giant ball of metal with, um, tubes, like pneumatic tube arms. No, not pneumatic. That's not right. What's the thing where they're, like, ribbed for your pleasure or whatever?
1: <laughs> is that not right? <laughs> Is it new why doesn't McDonald's ever do that when the, like when this when the McRib comes out,
0: <laughs> say it's McRibbed for your pleasure.
1: <laughs> yeah, why aren't these sandwiches ribbed for your pleasure? Why don't they make Why don't they make a Big Mac that has McRib patties instead of burger patties? It'd Be so nice.
0: it be and well, you know the McRib is so crappy, but they just put such nice sauce on it.
1: I've never had a McRib, but I've always wanted to because it's like fake crappy ribs, which I used to eat. At our college cafeteria back in the day when they still served those.
0: Yeah, you love those. I mean you used to say you really wish they got a fake rib oven rather than a pizza oven. You were pulling hard for that. (laughs) Right up until they went the other direction.
1: Okay, Luke, not fake rib oven, fake rib mold, so that I could cast these bricks myself.
0: Oh yeah. Like you wanted a like they had those waffle machines. You wanted that for ribs, and just a a gallon container of raw meat next to it. (laughs) I don't hate that I, I, I'm on your side now Now that I'm on the other side of describing it Oh man um, So they're sending this robot down Just to skip through a couple of the mechanics of Scooby and Shaggy Being in a living room on the phones Talking through plot Dr. 5 sends the robot down To join Scooby and Shaggy at the party And the Scooby or he, like, calls them on the phone They work it out They're like yeah definitely we
1: need a robot Come on down uh, Well <laughs> one thing important is that hmm. Shaggy refers to, because Roby makes a salad out of shoelaces or something. I don't know. I zoned out a little bit. A heaping basket of shoelaces. Um, And Shaggy's like, oh, it's a good thing I'm wearing thongs. Oh, yeah, man. Thongs. And I'm like. Feels like an odd word choice. That's weird. Is that an American thing? I feel like, hang on, let me go. I feel like thongs is like a Britishism.
0: I I could see it being in some parts of America, maybe. I'm seeing this is how you tell the difference between a Kiwi and an Aussie. When did the term flip-flops displace the word thongs? I think it's really fallen out of, I don't think it's used commonly in America. This feels like something that's like one kid whose mom was a Brit said this, like grew up saying this, and then he became a writer on this show, and someone else on the show needed to be like, dude, we say flip-flops. Flip-flops is normal. Unless you're making a joke, thongs is not the way to go. And like so many things that are odd in this series, that really odd use of thongs is not played like a joke.
1: It, it really threw me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, or, or I don't know how much you're going to edit this down, but I, I want to skip ahead through a lot of the action, which is to say that art um, tries to kill them. I mean, this is so much of... if we can. I can
0: just summarize it by saying Art, when he first arrives on the doorstep with Agent 2, keeps trying to kill them, but is foiled just by circumstance. He's, and like,
1: really ineffectual.
0: He's really ineffectual, kind of, again, by circumstance, by just bad luck. That's, I'd, I'd almost say, like, 80% of most of these
1: episodes. Um, but then Fibes um, gets Agent 2 to put the phone up to Art's ear, which I thought was kind of cute. I think it's funny to have, like like oh it's for you you know but it's a robot
0: um also agent two says like dad is calling you doesn't he or like father's calling he, i could swear he says he uses you've seen this episode drug. more
1: than i have so you would have to tell me
0: but... i think so maybe i projected that onto it but there was kind of there was a little oh. bit of a kinship attempted between uh agent two and Artie, and some assumed intimacy with dr fives not on
1: dr fives's part though uh, Art engages in maximum weapon systems, full eradication mode. At this point, um, Mr. Havenshimp has shown up and is surprised that they have all of the permits, all of the permissions. Um, Art starts trying to kill Scooby and Shaggy, but Mr. H is with them. And so he keeps getting caught in the middle of it. And they keep saving Mr. H's life. They they do, but they also keep kind of screwing him over a little bit was also a big part of what I was thinking. And it's so weird It's so weird to me, comedically, that Mr. Havenchimp is the one who says, Oh, because I told you to get rid of Roby, your robot that's butler. Why, that's why that's you got why, this new one. In yeah. a way, this is my fault, isn't it?
0: But there's a lot of, like, just a ton uh, stuffed into these few moments where they're running around trying to escape the robot. Shaggy, when they first start running around and, and uh, Havins, uh, Mr. H is like, What's going on? Shaggy says... I'll level with you and then he freaking does he lays out like Dr. Fives is an evil scientist who's trying to come after and kill us and we need to run away from this robot who was sent by him um, and then they also like turn a corner really quick and let the
1: robot run right after Mr. H uh, the, the other thing just to pick up a thread I uh, dropped earlier Shaggy figures out that the robot must have been sent by Dr. Fibes which I thought was again him putting two and two together in a way that he normally doesn't do
0: that's true, he does. Only when the robot is, like, an active threat. When he goes into, like, destruction mode or whatever, that's when the robot is actually seems capable of killing them.
1: And the and uh, things ratchet up a little bit. To me, comedic formula dictates that Scooby and Shaggy are the ones to say, in a way, this is your fault because blah, 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 blah. It seems weird that he's the one who's saying it to them. Or I think they, they lost an opportunity for a perfectly good
0: gag there, like you describe it, and they went for a lesser one where Mr. H voluntarily just grabs responsibility, and Scooby and Shaggy are like, yeah, it was totally your fault. And it's like, I don't know, I don't see Scooby, Scooby and Shaggy could just actually believe this. I don't see that at play here. They're not foisting responsibility, which is more interesting and funny. Also, like, earlier, I want to say, give Mr. H a little bit of credit, when he shows up at the party, although he says it's, like, aggressively or unrelentingly bad taste, Mhm. They did
1: fix all their citations. He has to give them credit. Hey, you know what? You guys are on the up and up now. The other thing about Mr. Heavenchimp is that they keep saving his life and he keeps making a huge deal out of it. In Mr. Heavenchimp's mind, he has um, given them so much hardship that the fact that they're still willing to save his life is a shock. He's done nothing to actually harm Scooby and Shaggy that
0: they haven't done to themselves. It's like uh, one rich guy is working as a, okay, like he's, I was going to say a cop gives someone a parking ticket, and then he's like, I'm so sorry I gave you a parking ticket, and that like caused bad things for you. Um, But then I was like, oh, but the cop is also rich, so he's not an everyman. So this is like uh, an heiress cop who gives someone a parking ticket. (laughs) Um, I mean, the cop is power tripping, let's be honest. The cop uh, took this job to power trip, doesn't need the money. Uh Mr. Mr. Havensimp Havensimp is not a bad guy. I guess is the point I'm trying to reach towards.
1: And I do think he's slighted by Scooby and Shaggy more than he's helped. I feel that like Mr. Havensimp has lived a difficult life himself and he's been afforded so little kindness in his own personal life that the fact that someone would want to save his life is seen as this remarkable thing. Yeah. I gotta say, also, the animators and the character designers did not
0: love Mr. Heaven Simp. They, gave, they made him not only balding, but gave him a comb-over. A bad comb-over. A bad, greasy comb-over. He's also very short. They make a height joke when he arrives at the house, and Scooby and Shaggy can't see him outside the door. Like, the doorbell rings, and before... It's like, ding-dong! And before the dong, Scooby's like, No one's there! Then <laughs> Shaggy takes one look, and we don't even see through the peephole. Shaggy just looks, No, there's no one there! It's so... It's like, Scooby, you're a dog! Yeah, you know... It, <laughs> <laughs> Your head is lower to the ground. Like The timing in this episode was a little fraught. To move things along in the chase scene, um, the robot that's evil as Art is about to attack the gang, but then Roby busts onto the scene. You're
1: like, oh, this is Roby's time to shine, as he defends everybody. Uh, Roby, in a way, what, another comparison, Roby is kind of like the Iron Giant. You know how at the end, spoilers, sorry for a movie that came out in like the early aughts, yeah, did, not even spoilers. I don't think so. At the end of the Iron Giant, he um, reveals that he has all of this like really advanced like alien weaponry that comes out of his uh, robot body, and and Roby is actually extremely comparable, I think, because he, hitherto unknown, has all of these attachments that are actually quite deadly. Um, he has a uh, he has a cleansing jet of warm sudsy water, a feather duster. <gasps> And a dental floss dispenser.
0: That's illegal in California. My goodness. Roby is a veritable uh, Swiss army knife of death. That's basically... Shiva is a Swiss army knife of death, if you think about it. (laughs) I really hope no Hindus listen to our podcast. I feel like a Hindu would think, that is so good. I'm going (laughs) to use that when I am telling people what Shiva is
1: now. Yeah, let let me liken my deity... to to a Swiss uh,
0: multi-tool. All right, you know what, man? We've got a lot of Hindi listeners who do business in Switzerland. I think this is gonna be a valuable metaphor for them. Um, (laughs) Funny enough, one of the dental floss of those Inspector Gadget type uh, attachments is the one that Roby uses to foil, to some degree, art. It catches an art spinning blade and then Roby swings around like a tether ball spun by art because art is a far superior combat robot smashes Roby through a wall and then we're back chasing and i feel like someone in this writer's room has a fetish for size stuff because we don't need to return to the shrink ray as much as we do
1: you know what i actually really like that this shrink ray is what it's episode two i believe i feel like it's in every episode it's in was episode it? one as well or maybe it was episode yeah, it was. one episode one no it not was not episode one also, episode four that they got was, netted that the, all
0: over, and that was in the shrink ray area.
1: But wasn't there also the episode where there's the giant burger at the beginning? With like You're a,
0: right. Again, like I think they keep coming back to the shrink ray, they, more than their best friends.
1: I feel like episode four. I think episode four was the main shrink ray. But there's episode. a anyway, lot I, of shrinkage. It doesn't matter. The, the point is there's shrinkage. I like that they go back to it. I like that they're acknowledging that this is a device in the lab, and it's not every time they go to the lab, it's like a new device. It it creates a sense of consistency and setting, I think.
0: Uh, I guess. I, I think it would have been more interesting for me if we saw variety in the stuff that's in the lab, rather than the Scooby-Doo snacks, which are kind of a... they're a bit of a... Um, not MacGuffin. Um, is that a term for something? that just it fills
1: whatever role it needs to? It's, no, it's a plot device. No, a MacGuffin is something that people want that's it. It's just That's something that it. Yeah, it want.
0: doesn't work that way. So, I mean... Well, I mean, it kind of is, but it also has this secondary function. is giving Scooby-Doo these
1: superpowers. The,
0: in this case...
1: Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. Uh, tell them what they've won. <laughs> you won!
0: Scooby-Doo as a Transformer-type robot. Scooby eats the Scooby snack, and it turns him into a robot. Like a Scooby robot. And then we have an action scene in which Scooby sounds like a badly-voiced Tyrannosaurus Rex.
1: You know what I thought so they're by the way just quickly this is all in the lab they're oh, down yeah, in the they... lab right now I mm-hmm. thought that Scooby's sound uh, effect there was a Mecha Godzilla reference oh, Okay maybe that and you know what that fits with the design a lot better Can I say at this point so Scooby is basically having like a like a not a kaiju fight but like a Jaeger fight <laughs> with this other robot if nice. we want to go up to Pacific Rim we do <laughs> At at a point the robot uh, art has fired a laser beam at Scoob, and it has bounced off of Scooby's. I'm going to say it again, chassis.
0: <laughs> Keep pulling uh, you know it, man. It's lovingly I rendered. I think I was
1: in my 20s when I figured out how to pronounce that word. Here's the thing. Here's, the, here's what struck me. As, as the camera pans and captures the flight of this laser, it goes past a giant robot in the background. No. I kid you not you gotta be kidding me dude which is to say that scooby and shaggy could have simply gone into this very large robot and piloted that and skipped this entire scooby doo step entirely
0: yeah i mean they gotta pull out the scooby doo the scooby magic scooby snack thing which feels very like uh, obligatory when it shows up because it's always like oh yeah these things do this thing eat it right now like it's like they want to get it done with uh as quick as they can it's unbelievable that they, like, showed that they had another option. Like, yeah, we could have like, done that. Like, there's another robot in the background of this robot fight scene. Mm. I, I just feel like it shortchanges their setup as being in this brilliant inventor's lab um, with all these devices they don't fully understand
1: how to use. Oh, also, at, at the beginning of this little melee, yeah. uh, what they do is they shrink down Mr. H to keep him safe from harm.
0: Not really. I'm sorry to correct you here, but they don't do it to keep him safe from harm. Not one bit. Shaggy says, I trust you, but not with this. And then he shrinks Mr. Haversimp and puts him in his pocket so that he can then give the Scooby snack to Shaggy. Or to Scooby, excuse me. He does this because he does not trust Mr. Haversimp, Havinsimp, with the uh, the secret of the Scooby snack. With the sp- knowledge that they're... And again, I, I really want to hang on this because he just, like, while running for his life with Mr. Havensimp from this killer robot that he allowed into his own home, he's like, So we're getting chased by this evil scientist, and blah, 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 government secret, government secret, blah, blah. But everything but the Scooby snack, he basically mentions in, in short. But he doesn't trust Mr. Havensimp with this. So he, against Mr. Havensimp's will, shrinks him down to ant to like
1: pocket size, literal pocket size, because he puts him in his pocket that is i did miss that and i am really glad you caught that um i am also just going to fast forward a little bit i i guess practically to the end which is to say that as i expected and was pleasantly surprised to see they just end up shrinking the robot
0: yeah makes perfect sense that is a good completion of that part and i do think the episode ends pretty satisfyingly with the robot getting shrunk and then he tears his way out of a Shaggy's pocket and does seem to still have some power, but then Roby gets to take him on, and it's more of an even fight now.
1: Or no, Roby's just hands down bigger. And this part I found delightful. There there were parts of this episode, what I did not find delightful, the seemingly very conscious decision to, to nix Fred, Velma, and Daphne from this episode. Yeah, again, it's kind of hard them. to see
0: past that, to see a lot of the other stuff that's going on. Even though, again, I loved so much stuff, we didn't even have time to mention that Agent Two was wearing a shock collar for the entirety of this episode, because Dr. Fibes wanted to try his kink play out, I guess. Yeah,
1: I couldn't, I mean, I guess that's the problem with watching this is, like, someone in his, like, mid to late 20s, when (laughs) I see a shock collar like that, where one person's in control and the other person isn't.
0: Our listeners in their 20s know what I'm saying. You guys get it. We've all done this. This is like parents are worried about this like they used to be worried about kids asphyxiating themselves. Like, is your kid experimenting with shock collars? We're going to talk about it every day in school until you really want to try it. Oh, yeah. I
1: What? Do I want to?
0: Anyway. 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 (laughs) Okay. Okay. We're going to move on from that, but just to say... Agent 2 did have, like, there were some moments where that seemed justified, where Agent 2 is about to give away Artie's real nature, and then he doesn't. But I just loved how Agent
1: 2 went through the entire episode just being friendly and bro-ish with everybody. He just wanted to to party. Like, literally, all Agent 2 wanted to do was go to a party and have a good time, and he does. He doesn't even get his comeuppance in this episode, which is what you would expect in, this is weird to say, a lesser cartoon. Again, (laughs) I... weird to hear those words come out of my mouth which and honestly this is often that lesser cartoon but not right a lesser cartoon would have had them for example catapult Roby out of the mansion and along the way Roby would have collided with agent 2 and taken him with him
0: yeah that's exactly right thereby
1: punishing him for nothing I think a lesser show would have punished agent 2 for just going out and having a good time but not the show and I and I really like that choice Yeah, they they did enough
0: of Fives punishing Agent 2 for almost nothing. But I think we had our fill of that. I I also want to throw in one more line reading from when Artie really starts chasing Scooby and Shaggy. And they all run past uh, Agent 2, who's still having a great time. And he says, Oh, you just have to keep running. He's pretty much indestructible. (laughs) And it's just this little bit of flavor on that one line that I first. I'm like, did something? Did he something interrupt him? No, he's just putting some mustard on it. <laughs> All right, Agent Two. And uh, you don't like putting some mustard on it.
1: <laughs> I was trying to put some mustard on my description of him putting mustard on it. What I want to cap this off with, and and really was the end of the episode, which again I found delightful, was that when Scooby or mm. Shaggy I guess specifically, um, when he regrows. Mr. Havensimp, he gives him longer legs.
0: So that he looks like what's-his-name from Despicable Me. <laughs> Gru. He really does. That's the, it's the super skinny legs and Tweedledee, Tweedledum-esque body.
1: I posted this to Facebook and nobody, um, like, reacted to it. Like, there were no likes, there were no hahas. Um, has <laughs> The airport in Sao Paulo, in Brazil, mm-hmm. you know how airports have, like, the the letters? Like, Toronto's YYZ. YYZ. Oh, yeah, you've Pearson. got your... Yeah. Mm-hmm um the airport in sao paulo is gru grew and i commented uh my my caption for this photo was my least favorite part about this airport are all of the minions walking around but nobody got nobody...
0: that nobody ah or maybe people got it but no they didn't get that man they just didn't get it <laughs> well i mean you just got real serious <laughs> <laughs> Oh, like a gut. Punch. I'm trying to,
1: em- I'm trying to emote more in these, uh, in these recording sessions.
0: <laughs> I don't mind that you do that. That's for my benefit more than the listeners. But hey, it's, it's not for the benefit of our listeners no, at all. It's just for me. <laughs> you know the Let you me throw some mustard episodes? on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you like about the way that I threw some mustard on my face for this? I wanted to do it up a little bit. for <laughs> Just you.
1: literally smearing this Dijon right in <laughs> yeah. there.
0: It's, uh, yeah. Honey mustard is my favo. Evan, I really wish, this is how I'm going to start out the outro, I really wish our <laughs> listeners could see you sometimes. <laughs> I hope that they can hear the joy in my voice from the stuff that you do. <laughs> like that, like your face and your shoulders. Just doing a little dance. Oh, it makes me, I just want to pinch your cheek. Oh, look at you. Oh, look at you. Oh, you're so cute. Do your little dance for me. Oh, he's so adorable. Look at him. Hey, hey, everyone, come look at Evans dance. No, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, he's so shy. Look how shy he is. Look how shy he is. Oh, he's speaking. Oh, there he goes. (laughs) (laughs) Is it bad
1: that I love the physical comedy we did? It's just. It delights me every time. Yeah, that, that one of the highlights of recording is something our listeners will never be able to. Experience. I think it's
0: it's because I st- I listen to stuff like comedy, bang bang, or improv for humans, and an in and in- I'll notice an in joke when it happens. I'm not on the inside of it, but I'll hear the laugh like it's so genuine because there's a degree of embarrassment. It's almost like breaking on stage, and I'm like, oh, I should make our podcast all that. If it could be <laughs> all that, it could be as good as the hit sketch comedy show. All that. Oh my... Listeners, we want to be all that for you, and we hope we have been, but there are a couple things where you can catch what we aren't even on the podcast, <laughs> where we are uh, things we can only be online.
1: Yeah, please please uh, check out facebook.com slash Scooby Dudes. Please. And maybe like that page so we can finally get to 100. <laughs> Do we not have 100 likes yet? What? what we have 99. 99? 99? Dude, I
0: feel like at this point our listeners are straight up cucking us. <laughs> Please don't say that on our Dude, podcast. I'll uh, I'll censor the first C, but that's it. That's all
1: I'm doing. Excellent. That's really the worst part.
0: I think our listeners are when anyone when any one of them sees that someone else has liked it, they remove their like. I mean, and then when they've I been think in you the should community, we have the king part of it. I should. <laughs> wait the king so
1: should it still be cuck or should it be cub? it should be anyway we're not gonna get into cub cubby um <laughs> follow us on twitter.com slash or sorry twitter.com we're at these scooby dudes and tweet at us or at us like oh i guess it's the same thing
0: no there's saying or dm us know, is that that's a different thing right i mean there's yeah, different ways DM to tweet us. i still haven't figured out twitter uh, I, don't, I
1: don't know i don't know just uh, just you know how some people are like, keep my name out of your mouth? I want to say, put our name in your mouth.
0: I can't even fault you because keep my name out of your mouth involves saying my name, your mouth. And that's like half of call me by your name. I don't know. That's like, that's so intimate. It's like you saying keep my name out of your mouth is basically a come on. Like, come on, man. That's a come on.
1: Oh, boy.
0: Um, but listeners, we're... We're wherever we need to be for you to reach us. So we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we have a Gmail, at, we're Podcast at gmail.com. We've got a website, scoobydoods.com. We couldn't have made it simpler for you. If you're listening to this episode and you wanna see screenshots of what we just talked about with funny captions, show notes, trivia, corrections that you can read before you email us that
1: we got something wrong, it's gonna be scoobydoods.com. And I actually think even for this episode, or for, like, for this show specifically, I think I typically manage to put GIFs together, which mm. I think are a lot of fun. There's a lot of action in this episode, and that is a great way of seeing it boiled down
0: and still filtered through the scooby Dudes lens.
1: Uh, yeah. So, uh, maybe shoot us an email. That's just Dudes podcast at gmail.com.
0: Yeah. I guess the first time I said that wasn't good enough. I, did, I, <laughs> did I say it wrong or something? Or my delivery off? I don't know, man. We can take a second. You want to give me some notes here? Evan is so... I'm. I, listeners don't know like how long we spend before recording and then during recording and how long it's been since you've eaten since then. Listeners, Evan is so hungry. He's so hungry.
1: hungry. <laughs> oh, Okay. Oh so Dude, what the
0: heck? Oh, my goodness. It's like you're doing facial motion capture in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. It's good. It's good work, dude. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Um, That's everything except iTunes, where we could use another review. Please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Evan will read it live on air, no matter what you say.
1: So go there and say whatever you want to say. If it's five stars. I don't want any of these, like, four stars, three stars. No, no, no. I'm not going to read that. But if it's five stars, I'll read it. Yeah. We don't
0: read lesser reviews. So don't bother writing it to us. If you want to give us feedback, again, always send it privately via the Gmail, scooby Podcast at gmail.com. Wait, Luke, I said that already? Yeah, dude, you delivered it like a chump. It was so sloppy. Oh. Like, honestly, I'm cutting it. I'm, oh, no. Oh, no, Evan. Face. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't believe the amount of power you have over me with that. Uh, uh, oh listeners that's why you listen to the end you also listen to hear us say the names of our patrons every week which we love to do people who donate money to us on patreon.com help keep this podcast afloat they help cover the original title card art that we sponsor for every week's episode and they get original unique content every week in return for it
1: oh hold on just edit this out one sec
0: oh no worries Are you just, are you still upset at me over calling you out on the Scooby Doo's podcast bit? Oh, yeah, look at that scrunched up face. Oh, look at that. (laughs) Oh, look at him. Oh, he's so, so, wow. Oh, yeah, showing those bottoms. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, you're really fussing. You're a baby.
1: (laughs) Swaddle me. Mm. Speaking of title card art, uh, this marks what I believe is the last title of card art from a very good friend of mine, Ashley Constant. Uh, if you want to follow her and check out more of her stuff, you can go to Instagram.com slash Ashley Cherry. That's Ashley A-S-H-L-E-Y-C-H-E-R-E-E. So uh, please support her in the way that she has supported and partnered with us. I think that she deserves it. That's it. This is mm. w- one last Oh, thing. yeah. What's I, the one last I've, thing? I've really neglected to do huh? this. Um So Luke and I, on on what I'm going to dub a a quote-unquote normal podcast, typically the outros will involve where you can reach out to each of the co-hosts individually.
0: Oh, yeah. Everyone has
1: their unique plugs typically, but we only ever plug our own podcast typically. Yeah, you don't really have, like, an internet internet presence, and mine is, like, almost entirely our podcast. Yeah, it's
0: true. I've got nothing. I'll let you guys know when I have another project, but this is it for now. But I
1: did want to say that I actually... um, have another podcast which is about the abc sitcom selfie it's called selfie valuation and if you go to if you basically just google it google selfie valuation and my podcast will pop up hold on you know what let me check to see if that's accurate <laughs> i don't know let's sit let's try it this is just <clears throat> nope oh not even the top two it's not in the top two ooh uh trailer
0: it's on there a few times. It's top five. It's the third. It's the third one for me. But, like, if they search it out with your name, with
1: Evan, you'll definitely find it. Go to, go to soundcloud.com slash self-evaluation, and that's our, the that's our podcast. We're, like, I don't know, like, four or five episodes in. And, honestly, you know, growing pains for every podcast, but I think we've really hit our stride. If you enjoyed this sitcom, which starred John Cho and Karen Gillan for um a period of time in 2014... I think that this is a really fun look back, and we are really breaking things down. I, anyway, I'm, I'm really proud of it. It's taken me a long time to give it a shout-out, but I'm doing that right now. Oh,
0: I think it's really great work that you're doing with, uh, with Beth. I mean, if you guys love this uh, sitcom that came out in about 2014 with uh, John Cho, and... Whoa, I think whoa, wait, wait, re- wait, who's Beth? Wait, what? Who's Beth? Your co-host? What? What? No, it's just me. Just you? It's just me. You're just wait. Just you is. (laughs) Why why are you saying? Say say that again. Hang on. There's something in there. It's just just me. (laughs) You're not saying that normally, Evan. I feel like something's not right. Me. (laughs) Me. (laughs) Evan. Again, it's. I don't know if that's your emoting, but I felt like you had fangs there for a moment. Your your irises (laughs) went all. All Whoa. spin. We gotta,
1: we gotta end this episode.
0: <laughs> I was trying to do the same, say the same thing you said, so you'd call me out for <laughs> redoing it. I know. I purposely didn't. You not purposely try to shut that down. Day. <laughs> I wasn't doing it well, to be fair. <laughs>